Welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes, CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielberg. And what a weird day it was. It is August 31st, Thursday, and we are now doubling, dubbing it Waiver Wire Day, something we have not seen before and uh, something new, I think, to Major League Baseball. Perhaps we see it in the future. Why was it Waiver Wire Day or Waiver Day in Major League Baseball? That's because the Los Angeles Angels really kind of kicked something off that we had not seen, and that was putting a lot of good players on waivers uh, in the hopes that other teams would pick those players up, get them in their organization uh, in time uh, before you had to have all players in your organization by September 1st eligible for the postseason. I think they also did it for financial reasons. If they could trim off somewhere between uh, two and $7 million, then there'd be a real possibility for them to get under the luxury tax threshold. There was going to be some great benefits uh, to that as well. But what a strange day it was, Billy, with anticipation in a way that we've never done this before, that we were watching the waiver wire and we were waiting for the news to come in to find out who was going to claim some of these big names like Luke Lucas Giolito, like Matt Moore, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, Harrison Bader from the New York Yankees who's put on waivers, uh, Carlos Carrasco with the New York Mets. There were some names out there and available today. Uh, it is all said and done, but kind of big picture first for you. Uh, what did you make of the new holiday in uh, in waiver day? Uh, I liked it. It was fun. Uh, we, had, we had good kick, you know, watching everything happen. Um, I think there's going to be some improvements from it. I also don't know if, if we're going to have another waiver day quite like like today was because first off, I don't think there's going to be too many teams that are going to dump like the angels did. They were, they were very specific to their reasoning and their needs um, being able to have the compensation pick uh, possibly as a second rounder versus a fourth rounder, uh, depending on their luxury tax uh, marker. So that that competitive balance tax or the luxury tax threshold uh, was significant for the Angels. They were trying to cut about $7 million off. I think they got awfully close. We won't know the official number for, for quite some time. And so if they do end up getting a compensation pick level of a second-round draft pick, um, that's significant for the Angels if Otani signs elsewhere. Um, so I don't, I don't know if if teams in the future, because like the Angels are very specific in in what's going on, their circumstance. Uh, they're not in it. They had these players that were going to be free agency, free agents. Uh, you're trying to offset some cost. So to dump this amount of players, six players, I just don't think is going to be a common occurrence. Now on the other side of it, the fact that the Cleveland guardians were able to acquire three players, three significant arms, Lucas Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Matt Moore, I don't like that aspect of it. I think that part is unfair. Uh, I think teams that were below the Guardians with a better record, like the Marlins, like the Twins, like the Cincinnati Reds, that could have used one of those arms, they they were they're probably pretty upset about the results today. It's really nice for the Guardians. It couldn't have worked out any better. They needed some of these arms for their for their young uh, pitching staff. So for in the case of the Guardians. People are asking, why did the Guardians even try to take these players on? Well, they're only five games back in the national in the American League Central. That's that's well within striking distance. That's not uh, far fetched. If they were eleven games back in the American League Central, chasing down the Twins, I don't think they're taking on uh, these three players. So it was specific for a lot of reasons, right? Like things kind of worked out in the favor of of the Angels and of the Guardians. I think in the future. This should be more like a fantasy sports waiver claim where 
you put in order the players that you want. So if you wanted Giolito the, the, the most, that would have been your first claim. Then Ronaldo, then Matt Moore. And then if nobody else wanted those players, you would have been able to acquire all three. My assumption is all three of those players were wanted by other organizations and they weren't able to get there. So that's that's my one pushback on waiver day, which was really fun um, and kind of exciting. And it makes the Twins Guardians playoff the next month exciting as well. Uh, but that needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It was all very interesting to kind of watch this thing uh, go down. And I think this probably caught uh, Major League Baseball off guard a little bit to actually see something like this potentially happen. I think it was a really smart move on the Angels part for a bunch of different reasons. But tactically and within the rules, I thought it made a lot of sense. But to see one team to be able to load up the way that they did, can you imagine if this works out really well for the Guardians and somehow they find a way to win the division? And the Minnesota Twins would feel pretty strongly about what just happened, again, within the rules, but feeling like, well, nobody really saw this coming. It almost doesn't seem right. And not only that, they do have three games left. You mentioned the five-game lead. The Minnesota Twins and the Guardians will be playing in Cleveland on September 4th for three straight games. That's going to be a really important series. If they can figure out a way to sweep that series, at least win two out of three, but sweep is probably going to be pretty important right now. All of a sudden, you're feeling pretty good about uh, the Guardians. They are starting a series on the 1st, so that would be tomorrow for us against the Rays, so they'll have their hands full there at home. And ironically enough as well, uh, they will go to Los Angeles for a four-game series against the Angels. So all three of those players uh, will have a chance to go back uh, to the Angels. But just kind of a wild day that it happened uh, the way that it did. Uh, they were not the only ones, though. The Cincinnati Reds uh, picking up some offensive help in Harrison Bader from the New York Yankees, Hunter Renfro from the Los Angeles Angels. And so another piece leaving uh, the Angels for a team that is hanging in there. Right, The Cincinnati Reds right now are a game back, uh, looking up at two teams uh, before you get to the San Francisco Giants in the wild card, uh, certainly right in this thing. We talked about them quite a bit and have done so uh, on our radio show on Sirius XM, loud outs, 2 to 5 Eastern time uh, weekdays. And that is the fact that the Cincinnati Reds, some of the age may be starting to show up a little bit, although they did get a nice start. From Hunter Green, good to have him back in the rotation, but more importantly, he pitched well uh, yesterday against the Giants. He had been scuffling his first two starts, but this is a team that was looking for a boost. They're three games over. This one has maybe a bigger opportunity to be more impactful if Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader deliver some offense for the Cincinnati Reds who are right in the middle of this thing. Yeah, so I, I, in the case of the Reds and 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 the trade deadline that passed, this gives them a secondary opportunity. Now they've they've dealt with some injuries. Uh, T.J. Friedel's been hurt. Uh, we just saw, unfortunately, Matt McLean go on the IL. That one's a, that one's a big injury. Hunter Renfro doesn't really fit that need as far as the infield goes, but as far as getting some some potential offense, um, some some you know some power uh, to go along with this very young team, I think it was really important. Uh, defensively, Harrison Bader has always been considered a plus defender uh, in the outfield. He has not been a good hitter this season. So that's, that's, you know, you're going to take what you can with, with, with what you get from, from Harrison Bader. But now you have an outfield, Stuart Fairchild, TJ Hopkins, uh, Harrison Bader, and then you have Will Benson, who's been great. Mm-hmm. You add now Hunter Renfro, and then you have TJ Friedel. Um, and this comes after a couple of injuries. So you know, I for me as I'm watching this, I understand it. Uh, I think it it works. Of course, you'd love to continue to add. You probably would have wanted maybe a uh, another starter here, which goes back to Carlos Carrasco and Mike Clevenger 
uh, not claim, getting claimed on the on the waiver wire and and, and Clevenger specifically because he was pitching well uh, in the last month. Yeah, he's been good. Five point four million dollars is what he would have been owed. That's one point four for the rest of this year from the Chicago White Sox. There was a mutual option with a buyout of four million dollars. So that meant at minimum uh, you were going to be due uh, the five point four million dollars, which is, would have worked out to probably about a uh, million dollars or so per start, which is a high price tag. At the same time, though, if this if you're a team that is on the fence and you end up making the postseason because of it, that is probably a really nice addition. So I'm kind of surprised that there was not a team that is in this thing that wouldn't be willing to take that chance to bring him in for under five and a half million dollars, even if there wasn't a spot in the rotation necessarily, but a just in case uh, kind of piece like even the top contenders. You don't think I, I mean the Baltimore Orioles? Wouldn't want to have Mike Clevenger the way that he's throwing right now, just in case, even if he's not making a start every time as an available arm. I think certainly that would have been a team. Um, you know, they're struggling with Jack Flaherty and the work that he's done, 6.4 ERA so far, and they have a bunch of young starters. You do worry about some of the innings. I'm surprised a team like that uh, didn't get in and wasn't willing uh, to at least take that chance with him. You mentioned Gritchick and Carrasco uh, also clearing waivers. Uh, so not everybody was claimed. I find that a little bit of a surprise as well. I guess on Carrasco, who had been struggling a little bit, uh, he was going to be about 2.3, a little bit more than that uh, million dollars uh, to be able to add him to your team. And unfortunately, just having a hard time really finding himself with the New York Mets 6.8 ERA in his 20 starts uh, this year. And his last one in particular actually was against the Angels, and he got knocked out in the second inning after giving up uh, five. And so it'd been a rough stretch for him, especially here lately. So I guess that part um, to some degree, um, but it was wild. It was wild to watch this entire thing. I really did enjoy it. It, it basically brought to some degree trade deadline action uh, way past the deadline, right? A month later. And uh, like you said, I think you're in a, a pretty good spot when you think about some of the adjustments that need to be made to this. Um, but I think it's a real possibility that it could become something that teams use to their advantage going forward, especially if you drop the qualifying offer. If you remember Ooh, and go yeah. back to the CBA, when the negotiations were going on, the CBA was completely done with the exception of the international draft. They decided to go ahead and sign it and basically leave it as if they get an international draft done, then the qualifying offer goes away. They did not get an international draft done by the middle of summer, so the qualifying offer was back in play this past offseason or the offseason after the uh, lockout. Why does that matter? Because you think about players like Josh Hader and Blake Snell on the San Diego Padres. Well, those are players that otherwise might have been involved in something like this where you could have saved your last month of salary uh, for them because the Padres aren't going anywhere, but they're holding on to them because they're going to offer both of those players the qualifying offer. And they're going to get the compensation pick in return. If you get that compensation pick out of there, we have a no a whole nother layer of waiver day that could get even better with your rules, which I really like as far as you can't take three or four players. You got to go to the back of the line after you get one and set your priority. But I, I kind of like it. So I wonder how Major League Baseball is feeling today about the possibility of what this day really could be with a couple of tweaks. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. They'll revisit the international draft, uh, removing player uh, qualifying offer compensation. I, I think it's something that players would probably want uh, removed from them as well and just have pure free agency because we have seen the qualifying offer weighs on some organizations. Uh, it scares some of them away. Um, I, I also think if you do end up with an international draft and down the road, um, some of the international money and the ability to possibly trade draft picks that becomes even more uh, interesting for me because you could you could possibly trade up, you could probably trade for more money, 
Um, so there, there's a couple things that I think, I don't know if it's an XCBA that you have to wait for, or if there are some things that you can negotiate uh, in between that can be revisited. Uh, the international draft is certainly for the next collective bargaining agreement. Uh, but as far as his waiver claims uh, based on waiver day, I think that can be cleaned up by the commissioner's office. I think that that would happen right around winter meeting. So um, I, I, I'm telling you, if I was Minnesota today or Miami, I'm calling the office and going, hey, this is not fair. That yeah. that can't happen. That's that's actually not fair. Like that's that that kind of. You know, if you're wanting competitive balance or if we're you know trying to make things fair, that is that is actually not fair at all. Uh, so this would this probably will get reserved quicker. Um, my my assumption before next waiver day is is a a different version of waiver claims will be uh, addressed. Yeah, it's a lot of different ways you can go with it, right? I mean, thinking about maybe payroll as a factor in this, and then you think about a team like the Marlins who were twenty second in payroll right now with their hundred ten uh, million dollars, but then the Orioles would have been second. The Orioles at sixty five million dollars, second lowest payroll. Uh, in baseball, that could have made things very interesting. The Tampa Bay Rays uh, for it. But then the other problem, of course, the union certainly would push back on that because there would be incentive to keep your payroll down uh, to some degree. And they certainly don't want to leave that out there uh, at all. One other kind of sort of piece to this when we look at teams trying to add before we get to September 1st so that any players you bring into your organization are uh, eligible for the postseason. And that is Josh Donaldson. Apparently, the Milwaukee Brewers are considering uh, Josh Donaldson. That is according to Ken Rosenthal. And I think if you're going to do it, that decision pretty much has to be made before uh, we get to the end of the day uh, today. 37 years old. We know that Josh Donaldson was traded, went from Minnesota to New York and really struggled uh, with the New York Yankees. But we brought this up a couple of days ago when we saw that he was uh, released. And I, I mentioned the Brewers as a possibility because mm -hmm. they're having some issues over at third base. Andrew Monasterio, the rookie, excuse me, Andrew uh, Monasterio, the rookie, has started to slow down a little bit. Brian Anderson has struggled. Monasterio took over his spot over at third. But in the month of August as a group, uh, they hit just 188. Uh, over at third. What do you think about taking a shot and go ahead instead of calling somebody up, say, from the minor leagues, and I don't know what they have sitting there to help them out from a position player standpoint, uh, but the Milwaukee Brewers taking a chance and bringing in uh, Josh Donaldson for the final month of the season? I, I think it, it's a shrewd move. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, in the case of, of Donaldson this year, I, I watched him play his last game. It was in Colorado when he got hurt. Uh, spent some time talking to him. I've known him for, for quite some time. We've actually played fantasy football uh, for years against each other. It, it's, it's, he had, he's, he's had one of those like anomaly type of years, 142 batting average. He's hit 10 homers. Basically every hit that he had was a homer it, and he was hitting the ball hard. Uh, his contact rates, you know, he did, he is punching out more um, that, that happens. I mean, the, he was, he was definitely wide open to the high fastball. He wasn't hitting it. But as far as contact rates and exit velocities and barrels, he was kind of, kind of a, a, a sore, you know, like he was, he was having bad luck batting average ball play this year. I got to look at the Babbitt, but it was, I bet you it was really, really low. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was 0.76. So he had an 076 what? batting average ball in play. Yeah. So to me, the numbers don't really reflect how hard he was hitting the baseball. Mm -hmm. He was, he was bad luck. Um, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm the Brewers and like Josh is, Josh is going to ruffle, ruffle, ruffle some feathers. Um, uh, he's a, he's kind of a, a personality. It's a big personality. Um, uh, 
I think you, you, you kind of know going into it who he is and what he is. Uh, it didn't fit in New York. I think it will fit just fine in Milwaukee. And I, and I know that clubhouse, it's a, that's a really fun clubhouse. I think Josh Donaldson would fit nicely in there. That is wild that he had a nearly 93-mile-an-hour average exit velocity and a batting average on balls and plays you just mentioned of 076. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, that is nuts. And it wasn't a lot of plate appearances, uh, in there, 34 games, 30 starts, just 120, uh, plate appearances, but that is kind of fascinating, um, to see. So we'll find out if the Milwaukee Brewers decide uh, to go ahead and take that chance and bring in the veteran Josh Donaldson, uh, over at third base, Ken Rosenthal reporting that that was a possibility. It would have to happen today here on Thursday, August uh, 31st. So to recap for you, the Cleveland guardians picking up Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, the Cincinnati Reds, Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, the Seattle Mariners, Dominic Leone, and perhaps the Milwaukee Brewers bringing in Josh Donaldson. That'll do it for us. A little wrap up here on waiver day, the first ever in major league baseball history. And you can say you were here for waiver day. Have a wonderful day. Everybody.